The Bucks winning streak is busted at 16 by the Philadelphia 76ers in a game that I still can't quite figure out how they lost. Big performances from Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen, but it wasn't enough. So we have to dive into this and figure out what happened in the fourth quarter and why the Bucks are no longer on a winning streak. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or listen of every weekday and sometimes on the weekend. We told you we were going to do this post-game podcast, win or lose. Unfortunately, uh, this was not the result. We wanted to have an uh, exciting podcast, but we know you tune in either way. Drop a comment, drop a like, definitely subs- uh, subscribe. We absolutely appreciate that, particularly on YouTube. I asked you all... If you could do us a favor and hit subscribe on the last podcast, and we had about 600 subscriptions over the last 48 hours, so we absolutely appreciate that. Uh, it helps us, and it's free to do so. So thanks to everyone for that. Frank, we were talking about doing this podcast before the game started, and you said, hopefully I'm not in a bad mood. And I did think about that message throughout this game, and I, I'll be honest, I was feeling pretty comfortable throughout. It felt like the Bucks had this game in hand. They felt like the better team for the most part, throughout. But they gave up 48 points in the fourth quarter and somehow find a way to lose this game 133 to 130. I don't know if there's any deeper problems you want to dive into here, but just straight off the bat, I mean, we all wanted the winning streak to continue. It was fun and it sucks that it had to end in this fashion at home on a big marquee game. Yeah, um, I mean, give credit to the Sixers. I mean, they just took this game, right? The Bucks were up, I think, 95-78 at one point in the third quarter. Grayson Allen making, you know, every shot possible. Um, And they start the fourth quarter with just James Harden, no Embiid. And they just, you know, I think it was a 15 to two run to start the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, Giannis, I think scored like nine straight, at least probably more. Um, But pretty much that, that was it. Um, And uh, yeah, unfortunately they, they let the Sixers kind of gave them life, let them get back in it. And then, you know, we've seen this team so often down the stretch of games, the Bucks are the team that makes plays on offense and on defense. And I think tonight you obviously would look at it and a series of plays they did not make, whether it was Chris Middleton, for some reason, going under a screen with like the clock about to expire, giving James Harden a wide open look for a three when they were down four. And then Middleton again, like sprinting past Joel Embiid on a closeout to give Joel Embiid a wide open look for the, uh, shot that put Philly up and was the ultimate, um, he ultimately gave them the lead. They wouldn't relinquish Milton is a pair of just really bad decisions defensively. And then Giannis, I mean, you know, 34 points makes 16 out of 18 from the foul line tonight. Uh, you have to love that. But I think we saw when he wasn't getting the foul line, uh, the Sixers were able to keep him in that kind of, you know, five to eight foot range, call it. And we saw his complete lack of touch show up repeatedly you know just like is he trying to bank a a short hook shot in is he not and he had a little bunny really late 
um, over James Harden from the baseline and maybe like a five foot shot misses that. And uh, again, just these small plays come out to, to haunt you because certainly the supporting cast and the offense in general, um, you can't really look at, at either team doing anything better than, than what they did tonight. 142 offensive rating for the Sixers, 138 for the Bucks, um, 98th and 97th percentile in all games uh, from those two teams. And again, but uh, Bucks kind of had things in hand through three quarters. The defense was fine up until that point, And then they were just a complete disaster in the fourth quarter and just little things too. I mean, another play um, they were up four, looked like they had gotten a stop, I think on Embiid and uh, Giannis didn't block out Jalen McDaniels and he just goes in and throws down a huge follow-up dunk. Um, so just again, small plays make, make the difference. And uh, obviously at the end of the, at the end of the day, in those final few minutes, we're used to seeing the bucks make those plays and tonight the Sixers did, and they now move back within, I think four games um, uh, of the bucks in the East. Uh, and you also go down two one now in the season series to Philly. So a chance to, um, you know, move ahead and then guarantee at least uh, a tie in the, the head to head. You blow that chance uh, on a, obviously a huge stage, um, you know, the Bucks had kind of gotten their flowers on some of the national podcasts at the end of last week. And uh, good thing they did, because certainly they they're going to, you know, be leading the, the Sixers are going to be leading a lot of the discussion on Monday with with this big win and a, in a showcase matchup. I think they will. I'll be interested to see what people say about the Bucks in this fourth quarter, though, because, again, like entering the third quarter, I, I thought defensively that even though the Sixers were scoring, I thought they'd done a pretty good job on Joel Embiid. He finishes the night. Still get has 31 points and, and 10 assists, but the matchup between Brook Lopez and Embiid was entertaining all night long. And Lopez just had some massive moments. And he finishes the night a plus 11 in his 33 minutes. He has the 26 points as well, hits a number of threes. And he only gets credited with one block, but that block that he got credited with was just a humongous one on Embiid, then goes down the other end and knocks down the three. So big picture, of course, the tiebreaker could mean something. But what did you think about the way the Bucks tried to slow down Embiid and in particular the matchup that Brook Lopez had? Because right from early in this game, he was he was aggressively looking to score, particularly knocking down a couple of those floaters. Yeah, I mean, this is twice in three games now this season where Brook is basically at least matched and arguably outplayed Embiid kind of in the grand scheme of of you know kind of both ends. Um, and so again, if if Brook does, you know, if Brook basically plays Embiid to to a draw, then you know there's no way the Bucks you, you would say should lose should lose that game. Um, but unfortunately, you know, both teams shot the lights out. You know, it's it's hard to look at the three point shooting and say like, oh well the Sixers were lucky because they were 18 out of 37. It's like, well, Bucks were 17 out of 34, right? So both teams shot the ball really well from three and ultimately Sixers just made them when it really mattered at the end of the day. George Niang, who was in a slump, you know, was just making everything in the fourth quarter and, and was obviously a big part of the comeback hard and hit. Um, some big threes. I mean, you know, Harden was 11-26, so I mean, obviously he took a ton of shots, but at the end of the day, 38 points, it was you know, a bit of a vintage performance from him. And, um, you know, the other thing too is just five turnovers for Philadelphia, where Giannis had seven by himself. So again, Giannis just, you know, the the scoring efficiency is down, and also then when you factor in, like, turnovers as well, that obviously also is another piece where, you know, his offensive game, I think, is not been as good as it could be this season. And, you know, ironically, Embiid minus seven in this game, Giannis minus 14 in this game. He had a, he, he had the worst plus minus on the, in the entire game Giannis did, which again is a lot of that just goes to, to that start of the fourth quarter when he was on the floor and the Bucks blew that, that big lead. So I think when you look at, you know, 
the kind of what decided this game. Of course, you know, the the back and forth Bucks were, you know, leading up until the very last minute of the game. You'd say, well, they, they lost it in the last minute of the game, but uh, they, you know, could have really put put this game away if they had, you know, again, taken that 14 point lead to start the fourth and and added five or six with and beat on the bench instead. They uh, they just get ripped to shreds and and uh, you know can't do anything offensively and you know they got what they paid for. All right, some interesting rotation stuff in this game. I'm seeing a lot of conversation on Twitter, so I'll at least ask you the question: What did you think of some of the lineups the Bucks went with down the stretch in this game? Some lower minutes for guys that we've seen a little bit more of uh, recently. Before we do that, we'll talk about our friends over at FanDuel. The road to the postseason is here in the NBA. And that means it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And if I go to FanDuel.com right now and check out the odds for the NBA MVP, Giannis and Joel Embiid now tied for second behind Nikola Jokic. You can get Embiid and Giannis at plus 700 there. I don't necessarily think tonight did anything in a huge way for either either guy. We look at these matchups and sometimes think they could swing the MVP conversation, but I'm not sure they will tonight. But FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay as well. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If I look at the box score for this game, and it was certainly noticeable throughout, and we've discussed it, what are the Bucs going to do in certain matchups? What does Philadelphia look like? Surely, if you're playing a Boston team, maybe you need to go to some of those smaller lineups, more guys on the wing. Philadelphia is a little bit unique in this regard, but you only have... 12 minutes from Jay Crowder. He didn't play a lot. We did see a fair bit of uh, Joe Ingles. Now, he only played the 18 minutes, but we've seen him in key moments. And probably overall, yeah, Bud really rode Grayson Allen. Now, you understand why he did that, particularly in the third quarter. He's gone berserk, and Grayson Allen deserves a lot of credit for that 20-point third quarter. Would you have done anything different down the stretch? Well, who, who are people complaining about? Because, I mean you've got Embiid, so you can't play small, right? Which in many, on many nights is an option that you might go, you know, Giannis and Crowder or something like that, but you have to play Brooke, who was great tonight. You obviously have to play Giannis. You want to play Chris, even though Chris obviously was not as good as you normally expect him to be. But I mean, you know, are we really going to act like we'd rather have Jay Crowder on the floor, you know, in late in games? I mean, come on. And you have Drew. So, I mean, the only question in this game, as far as late game rotations would be, who is your shooting guard, right? The perpetual question, (laughs) you know, who's the buck starter slash um, closer when, when they have their starters out there with at the shooting guard spot. And, you know, what was, was Grayson? I'm trying to even remember him. Grayson was, I I don't know if he took a shot in the fourth quarter even. Um, So, I mean, if we want to say like, well, someone else should have been out there, but it's not like they were, I don't recall them like attacking Grayson Allen um, late in the game. I mean, I think in general, like the Sixers, even though they have one-on-one players, like I, I didn't really think that they were particularly adept at, at attacking mismatches in this game. Um, you know, I think we, I think we saw like Boston, I think be much more um, deliberate about getting switches to, to attack mismatches and things like that. But uh, I don't know. Am I missing something? Is, is there a, uh, some silver bullet that, that people thought that Jay Crowder was going to save the day in this game? 
Oh, I know you're feeling a little bit spicy tonight, Frank. I'm just throwing the questions at you and seeing, trying to dig in to see if there's anything you take away from this game and the lineups they 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 went with. No, I mean, I, I think you know we we did see you know a fair bit of Crowder. We saw switching. Um, you know, we saw them go small. You know, probably Portis playing 16 minutes. I think is reflective of the fact that they are leaning into the fact that they can go small. I mean, I think it was it. I mean, it was late in the first quarter, even like they were already playing. Um, without uh, any, you know, Giannis and, and essentially wings, um, which again, I think that's a, a combination that you're going to need at some point. Um, well, not at some point, but very regularly, probably most games uh, in the playoffs, depending on the matchup. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have any major complaints about the rotations. Um, you know, they've got a bunch of good players at this point. So just the reality is you, you're just not going to be able to play all the guys that yet you might want. They go, 10 deep tonight. Um, nobody played fewer than 13 minutes. You know, Carter and, and Crowder had the fewest at 13. Ingles, 18. Portis, 16. Um, Middleton, 27. So I think that's the first time Chris has gone over uh, the 25-minute mark um, since returning. So, you know, the significance of that, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I think Chris, Chris, obviously, this is one of his probably least impactful games, especially just looking at the box score. Um, I think defensively, you know, again, he made mistakes that, that you obviously would hope he doesn't. And I, I forgot to mention as well, I mean, Giannis on back-to-back possessions, he fouls Jalen McDaniels on a three-pointer. You know, why are you fouling Jalen McDaniels on a three-pointer? Like, come on, man. Like, that's just uh, a dumb play. You know, we, we keep hearing about Giannis as, oh, he's, you know, the MVP because he plays defense. Well, he fouls, fouls Jalen McDaniels, and then the next play he doesn't box him out and the guy gets a dunk. So, um, you know, again, I think there was lots of, Lots of small. So, so you're saying he, that's a couple of moments. It wasn't his best night. I don't think we need to go down the path of ruling him out of MVP and his defense. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying he is, but I mean it's like you know, like it. You 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 expect Giannis if you're going to talk about him as a defensive player of the year candidate, given what he does. I mean, it's just that's that small stuff that again you just can't afford to make those types of mistakes typically. And and again, you're gonna you're giving your the other team a chance to win, and I think that's obviously ultimately kind of the the story of the game for the Bucks in the fourth quarter just gave up chances to win, you know, second chances, long rebounds, things like that. And I mean, Philly did not need any more help in the fourth quarter. Uh, they scored 48 points. And uh, again, Bucks, so they just sort of killed the Bucks on the margins uh, throughout the, throughout that period. Uh, the other thing we should mention in this game, which is why you also look at it and say, geez, you probably needed to win this one or should have won this one. I mean, you could, Yes, they led by 18. That's first of all. But after that point, they also lost Tobias Harris and PJ Tucker for the night as well. So two key guys. And Tucker, you know, I don't think... They don't score 48 in the fourth quarter with PJ Tucker on the floor. That, so, that's the, that's the yeah. interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Bucks were more than happy. He was throwing up a couple of threes. He was 0 for 3 from 3. I think Giannis kind of... Even though Tucker was obviously embracing the matchup and having the opportunity to defend Giannis, it didn't look like overall... Outside of a couple of deflections there, Giannis was pretty happy to score over him or or through him if need be. I, well, I'd, I'd actually put, I mean, it, it's kind of weird. It reminded me of the first game of the season where like Giannis was very deferential when PJ and, and like, you know, he scored what, I think he had three points up until the, the last minute when he came back in. And I don't think PJ got back in at that point. PJ and, and uh, Embiid were both off the floor. And in the four, third quarter, you know, he had one point in the third quarter and then um, really didn't start going um, until, or maybe, no, he scored right at the end of the third quarter. And that was again, when Paul Reed was in, you know, anytime you saw Paul Reed, it was like, you know, he saw red and he was just going to go wreck him. 
Um, but I, I don't know. It, it is weird. Like I, I do feel like he's pretty deferential when he's out there matched up against PJ. Um, and you know, it, it seemed like he just sort of saved his uh, his bursts of offense for when PJ was out of the game. But um, I, it's weird. I, I know I knew Harris didn't come back in the second half. I didn't realize PJ was. Um, did he get hurt? I, I told you that. Yeah. Okay. Well, he must have played in the third quarter, though, right? Because he finished in 19 so. minutes, yeah. you know, so he went out at some point. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously at this point with PJ, just given his offensive limitations, um, you know, I mean, we just we just called out what McDaniels did. Clearly McDaniels, you know, made some plays um, in that fourth quarter that that were difference makers. And Niang, right? Like if Tucker's out there and it means you're getting fewer minutes from McDaniels and, and Niang or, or Tobias, right? Like those guys playing obviously were was impacted by uh, Tucker and Harris not being available. So clearly the Sixers would rather have those guys available. I'm not saying they're like, you know, better off if those guys are hurt or something, but um, tonight, at least the the guys that, that came in for them obviously stepped up and, and made real plays. All right. I want to ask you about Chris Milton. You sort of started the conversation there, but we've been, and we can get to anything else you wanted from this game as well. The Bucks also made Goran Dragic official uh, a few minutes ago here. So I uh, can get your thoughts on that. So Chris Milton coming up next. So you mentioned Chris Milton played 27 minutes. There's been a little bit of chatter about the stuff we heard on the low post where Zach Lowe is mentioning that he's hearing that Chris Milton will be starting soonish, I think was the quote. I don't really know what that means. But it was interesting because then we heard Malika Andrews on the broadcast tonight saying that Chris was telling her that he's still really gassed at 25 minutes and he's maybe not as close to that 35 minutes where you would want to get him to in the postseason as well. What did you make of the Zach Lowe stuff? And then we really are now, the Bucks are 45 and 18. So you got 19 games. I mean, I know they've been very cautious and the ramp up has been slow, but is he going to play tomorrow on a back-to-back? I assume not. So take take away another couple of games from the back-to-backs and you start to think, at some point, you want to see it. You want to see him starting and you want to see him getting into the 30s and beyond. Yeah, I mean, some of it's probably also a, a function of the fact that the 25 minutes he's playing, he's he's talked about here, he's being more aggressive and, mm-hmm. you know, he he's trying to to do more stuff when he's in because he knows that he's not, you know, out there starting where, you know, and then when he starts and he plays with the other, uh, with Drew and, and Brooke and Giannis, obviously he doesn't really need to do as much. So he's less likely to be aggressive early on. So, you know, that, that may be a function of, of why he was kind of, you know, part of why he's maybe getting gassed at, at 25 minutes. Um, I mean, there's two separate questions. If it's a matter of game fitness, then, I mean, I'm not that worried about that. I mean, I think that's just a matter of, of reps. If it's about, you know, his knee, like that's the part that I'm I'm worried about, right? Like if if playing 35 minutes and playing back to backs is going to, you know, mean that that his his knee is going to flare up and, and cause him problems in the playoffs, like that to me is, you know, the the thing that worries me. That thing that you know, I, I makes me assume that he's probably not playing on Sunday. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean we didn't think that it was going to be this long, obviously with him coming off the bench. Um, I think it's obviously, you know, worked well in terms of helping them stagger. And, you know, my general view is if he's only playing 25 minutes, then I totally see the value of, of bringing him off the bench because it's easier to kind of stagger his minutes against the, the other members of the big three, especially because those guys aren't playing 40 minutes a night either. Uh, they're obviously typically in the low thirties and sometimes even fewer minutes than that. So 
Um, so I think like from a tactical standpoint, there's value in doing it uh, when his minutes are limited. Uh, obviously by the playoffs, we hope he's into the you know mid thirties plus. Um, and if you're playing that many minutes or you can play that many minutes, I mean, first of all, it's like, it's hard to, you know, play 40 minutes if you are not playing the first five minutes of the first and third quarters every night. Um, so, you know, starting is, is really just largely a function of, of like, you want to maximize the, the minutes that you have with your best players. Um, so again, we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah, like we, like we talked about, you know, we, I mean, I'm not going to sit here. I'm people get, I think superstitious or they kind of get kind of pearl clutchy about like things when they're, when the team's like playing well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think playing your best players is generally a pretty good tactic. So, um, and you know, the fact that I mean, I think coming to this game, like the starting five with, with Connaughton and, and Grace now, and they were like plus three points per 100. And I think they were negative as of like three games ago. So really just in the last kind of week that swung into the positive territory. So, I mean, they're not winning games because their starting five is actually like playing particularly well. It's because, you know, the bench units with Chris are, are, are playing well. Um, so there, there's definitely like juice to squeeze with the starting group. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, to me, it's like, I don't really see the, what the ultimately the argument is going to be against, you know, bringing, eventually bringing Chris back into the starting five. Um, but for sure, my, my concern will always be about just, again, his, his physical health. And I, I don't really care if you, you know, bring him off the bench for the rest of the regular season almost, but obviously the question is like, okay, if you're doing that, then, you know, at what point can you ramp him up? Cause I, I don't want, you know, minutes limit Chris Middleton in the playoffs, right? Like that, that would be not exactly what, what we want to see. So, um, so I don't know it take a game by game, obviously happy that um, the kind of balancing has worked and they've gotten, they have enough depth that, you know, they're not like really missing Chris significantly with the starting group. But again, like I said, the, the starting five of the first and third quarters is, is certainly not lighting the world on fire either. Yeah. That's, and look, Pat started tonight. He only played the 17 minutes, but he had one point. He was plus eight. He was out on the floor when they had some good moments, but uh, didn't have a big impact. Doesn't feel like he's had a big impact for a little while here. We know he's been battling, uh, some calf stuff there, and he's been a proven, you know, playoff guy. So hopefully he starts to round out into some form there. Now we also know if uh, the Bucks were able to make this Goran Dragic move official, the streak might be still alive because he would have been out there tonight, wheeling and dealing and playing the point guard. Uh, of course, I'm joking, Frank. Any thoughts on the Dragic stuff? I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet. It is official now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like he's he's fallen off a lot the last couple of years. Um, you know, in terms of like scoring efficiency was never exactly a, you know, a, a good defender in the first place. I can't claim to know a whole lot about, you know, where his defense is at right now. Um, so I, I am curious what, what, if any, I don't say promises necessarily, but you know, what is his expectation as far as minutes coming into to this rotation would look like? Um, because I mean, they don't really need to play him when they're healthy. And I think, he does actually a lot of, you know, stylistically, he's much more similar to, to Joe Ingles than he is Javon Carter. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's an interesting question, right? Like is, is Bud going to, you know, play Carter versus Dragic more like night to night or, you know, depending on matchups um, I'm sure, you know, they've got a pretty tough schedule over the next um, kind of the rest, rest of the regular season. They have a bunch of games 
we got, you know, another tough road trip coming up with some back to back. So I, I'm sure we're going to see, you know, a decent amount of, of Goran Dragic. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all would say, you know, if you expect one thing to go wrong in the playoffs, it's probably more of the defense than the offense. Um, maybe not tonight. Tonight was the opposite. Tonight was the opposite. It was the defense. Finally, that was terrible, and the offense was mm. was uh, was pretty much as good as you could expect. But um, but you never know when you may need that you know backup ball handler to come into a game and hit some shots, run some pick and rolls, um, and give you a little bit of a spark. Right. Just thinking back to the the Jeff T game six in Atlanta. Uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago, obviously right. that was pretty much like the the one the one Jeff Teague moment uh, during that playoff run. Um, I, we don't even know if if Dragic is is going to play every night in the playoffs. Very good chance he you know does not play most nights. But I, I have no idea, right? I mean, I think we we've all been sort of trying to figure out as they progressively add players and get healthy. All right, so you know, all right, Joe Ingles was coming back. Okay, well, how much is Joe Ingles going to play? Like, what, what how is Bud going to use him, right? Um, you knew they were going to play Joe Ingles because they spent a bunch of money on him, right? But Jay Crowder, similarly, well, assume they're going to play Jay Crowder because they gave up five second-round picks to get him, and you know you're expecting to need him in the playoffs. Um, but you know it's getting it's getting a bit crowded, and and with Dragic, obviously, you know, rest of season contract. Um, on the one hand, you know it's not like you, you're spending a huge amount of money to, to bring him in; he's the minimum contract, but as we pointed out, like on the margin, you know, this will be millions of dollars that they're spending from a tax perspective. They didn't have to sign him, especially if they're intending to keep um, Myers Leonard, which maybe they are, maybe they aren't right. They just gave him that second 10 day. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure he's going to play a bit over the next month. And I'm, I'm sure that will also factor into whether or not we see him much at all in the playoffs, but um, hopefully he has something left in the tank. Um, He's obviously a crafty, smart vet. Uh, and he he played well actually last year in the playoffs in that four game sweep against the Celtics. He actually shot the ball really well, scored well. Um, you know, he was part of a, net, a very small Nets team that probably didn't have much of a chance defensively. But uh, he obviously has, has been around the block, and I think that's one obvious thing about this Bucks team. You know, obviously the front office values having guys who have been there. And with Dragic, you have a guy that you know a couple of years ago was in the NBA Finals and was a huge part of that Heat team. And he's obviously been around for a long time playing at a high level. So uh, he's not that guy anymore. Uh, but you, again, would expect him to not be afraid of the moment if you have to call on him to, to play some real minutes at some point in the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, expect very little. But um, by the same token, I, I do think he'll have some chances to play. And um, I'm sure he uh, hopefully, you know, has, has, a, has, a few, has a few tricks left up his sleeve. All right, this is the first time we've had to be a little bit grumpy on the podcast for quite a few weeks, which uh, we don't like. And that means that the Bucs have got to get back to their winning ways. They're half a game up on the Boston Celtics now. So again, when you're in a position to win the game and you put yourself there, you want to take advantage because the race is so tight right now in the standings, half a game up against the Celtics. You've got the Washington Wizards tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, uh, or Sunday night anyway, whenever you're listening to this podcast. We'll be back for a post-game pod can we can uh, we give a shout out? To, can we give a shout out to Drew Holiday? We basically didn't talk about him, and he was, yes, I mean, of course, nine out of thirteen from the field, twenty six points, thirty assists, one turnover. Um, you know, again, we we kind of become numb, obviously, to, to Drew playing at such a high level. Uh, he unfortunately he had that one three kind of straightaway three point look that he missed. That was probably that the key shot when they were down, I think, two at that point. 
I think it was right after the Embiid three. Um, you know, we're used to him seeing him hit that shot. He made five out of three, five out of eight threes tonight. So uh, a rare time when when Drew doesn't hit a massive three point shot for the Bucks late. But he was really good, and you know, certainly defensively, you wouldn't look at you know what Harden did as as being any sort of reflection on Drew. Obviously, most of that was because of switches and and what the what the Sixers were able to do um, in that regard. So again, shout out to Drew Holiday. And again, you look up and down the roster. I mean, four starters scored 20 plus points. Grayson Allen had, you know, probably his hottest little quarter of the, of the year. So uh, a bummer that it would go to a waste, but again, got to play defense in the fourth quarter guys. And hopefully, uh, hopefully this doesn't turn into a, a mini slide here that they rest a bunch of guys on Sunday and, and hit another banana peel. But again, sometimes when you lose best, best thing is to play another game straight away. Don't expect we'll see Chris Middleton, hope we'll see Giannis and Drew and hopefully they can take care of business on Sunday. But um, again, at some point you're going to lose a basketball game. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. It might say Dragic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the yeah, situation is there. Him. Yeah. On, on the, on the back end of a back to back. Thanks for making Locked On Bucks your first listen today. Subscribe, like, drop a comment, vent, vent in the YouTube comments. That's what we're here for. Let out your frustration. Let us know what you thought of this game and your disappointment that the streak is over. And then for your second listen, make game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on the Locked On NBA feed, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And again, most importantly, subscribe to Locked On Bucks. We appreciate it. Uh, It wasn't a total loss night, though, Frank. We did have reverse cam, which everyone loves, and, uh, and everyone loves to get behind seeing people just pull half-eaten food out of their mouth and back into so, their hands. So I, I didn't see the video yet, but you you apparently recorded a pre-packaged <laughs> thing introducing the fan, the reverse eating cam, which of course our friend Eric Mame hates, famously hates, and uh, they sometimes show him on the reverse cam just to, to spite him. Uh, what did you say in the in the thing? Because I, I haven't seen, I just saw the, the screenshots of your big head on the Jumbotron. Which of course, you know, uh, the good people of Wisconsin don't deserve to to be forced to see your head on on the jumbotron, but they got That's it. Right. What That's what right. were you saying? Can you give us the backstory of of how this came to be? Yeah, imagine all those people that took one look on a YouTube episode and said, "F that, I'm sticking to the audio platform. I don't want to look at that noggin while I'm listening to these two talk about basketball." And then they're at the game, just trying to relax on a Saturday night, and they were, they had that forced down their throat, but. Uh, Johnny Watson, uh, a man that I hadn't met before, but he does a bunch of stuff with the uh, Bucks game ops. He just reached out last week and said, do you want to do an intro for the, for the reverse game? We'll play it on the Jumbotron. And I was cracking up laughing. I, I was like Googling this guy to make sure someone wasn't like setting me up just to like look like an absolute fool. Uh, so even when I sent it, I, I didn't hear back. So I was like, this might be uh, a, a false thing. But of course, the, the tweets came through. So I basically just said, you know, I, I miss Milwaukee so much. I miss watching Giannis play. I miss Chris. I miss asking Coach Bud questions. But there's only one thing that I miss more than that, and that is the reverse cam. <laughs> so did they get Eric? TV. Do, you, do you know if they – I know you weren't obviously in the arena, no. so you wouldn't see it, but did we get any reports of them getting Eric on the reverse cam? Because that would obviously be the real the real dagger is if you introduced the, the reverse eating cam and then they got uh, Eric on it. But, you know, I – I, I don't know. That that may be a bit too much to ask. I'm going to have to ask him for the footage. I'm going to have to get them to send it over to me so I can have a look at the uh, the full product there. I've only got a few photos. But uh, 
That was good. Bit of fun. Bit of fun. We love that. That's my first time in Fiserv Forum for many years, so uh, <laughs> it's good to be back. And by the way, after that, we had someone request a live pod, uh, Frank. So when I do get my ass back over to the States, we're going to book out a venue and get some people in the house to do some live lockdown bucks. Yeah. Well, just tell me when. Give me the dates. All right. I'll work on it. We'll get this podcast up. And we'll be back tomorrow after the game against Washington. Again, vent. Get your thoughts off your chest. Whatever you think of tonight's game against the Sixers, let us know. And we'll speak to you all tomorrow after the game. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.